Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and what's next. It's a show that asks questions and peels back the layers of our average everyday experience and goes beyond scratching the surface. We interview people doing incredible things who are making a difference around the globe. Join me as we listen in and get one step closer to understanding that big ideas shared create collaboration. Collaboration can inspire community, and communities create social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. find out more about it there on release dates and so on. We talk about, once again, we talk about a little bit of everything here on Face to Face. I think you're going to really enjoy the conversation, but more importantly, you need to get out and see the film. Going to be coming to Amazon as well, I think, sometime in July. We talk about the code of silence. We talk about victims and, and about what, we talk about something called real justice. What, what does that even mean? And about the difference between something, you know, being maybe transactional versus transformational. We talk about truth and evidence and justice. We talk about memory and about, uh, about putting a human face on, on some of these issues and, and why it's so important to, 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 to speak to it, to, to tell these stories, why these stories need audiences. And I think, uh, uh, there's so much here for everyone. So please do, uh, stay tuned, uh, for, for a really interesting conversation. And also more importantly to just about how to maintain, um, a sense of, of, of realism, but optimism at the same time. So coming right up, uh, finding Oscar is the film. Don't forget davidpecklive.com for more information about my own podcasting. Once again, coming up on 300 interviews, it's coming soon. I don't know who it's going to be yet, but we'll let you know. And uh, you can find out more about my speaking and, and writing and so on there. And if you want to support what I do through Patreon, please do. And don't forget rabble.ca for more other interviews as well. And right now, Ryan Safern coming up on Finding Oscar here on Face to Face. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by a very special guest today from uh, somewhere in the United States. I have no uh, idea where that is. Uh, it's a big, big country, I've heard. Uh, Ryan Safern is here with us today to talk about his uh, new film documentary called Finding Oscar. Where, where the heck are you, Ryan, is the question where we really want to know the answer to. I'm in the southern western tip here in Los Angeles. Oh, very nice. And uh, good weather today for you? It's another beautiful, sunny, uh, 
Nice. And I can safely say here in Toronto, it's not snowing. So take it from there. <laughs> you're almost you're almost through the uh, the dark tunnel of, of the winter. There. That's right. One, one, one more snowfall before June? Oh, man. I sure hope you're wrong about that. Uh, maybe. Well, I'm from I'm sure I'm from Chicago. Oh, okay. Originally, so I I know the I know the feeling. Well, we share yeah we share a fair amount of snow actually uh, through through most of the, the the winter it seems to me or at least pretty pretty close anyway. Well, listen first first that right out of the gate congratulations I what a what a what a beautiful film what a what a what a tragically beautiful film. Thank you, thank you. I think that's probably the best way to put it. So you start, you kind of bookend the film, it seems to me, with 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 something that we're all pretty familiar with, you know that that and, and I and I can't remember exactly if it was crocheted or not, but it was a framed uh, picture uh, drawing uh, on 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 somebody's home wall that said, "Home is where our story begins," and yep. and, and you kind of bookend the film that way, it seems to me. Can, can you? Talk a little bit about that. Uh, clearly, a very intentional choice on your part. Yeah. So, I mean, the context of that uh, little framed uh, crochet piece is in Oscar Ramirez's home in in Framingham, Massachusetts, which is a suburb of Boston. And, and we see it in the context of at the beginning of the film of this kind of opening breakfast scene uh, where Oscar and his his wife Nydia, though you don't really see them, um, you hear the adults off camera, but you're, you're, you're seeing his family, his, his four beautiful children kind of coming to the kitchen table as his dad is making them breakfast. And, and, and really, you know, we're trying to infuse right from the get-go that even though this is a story about a massacre and, and really a, a larger story about a, a genocide in the Americas, it, there, there is hope to be found in it, mm. and that at some point we are going to come back. And, and uh, it's a film called Finding Oscar, and, and we're going to find him. And this is the, the life and, and the family we're going to find on the other end of that journey. So if, 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 there's, there's a very, I think, uh, pragmatic reasoning on our part to, to really try to infuse the story right from the get-go with, with that hope um, and, and then go and tell what is really an, an epic search, uh, a decades-long search for this little boy, this little survivor who who is now a, a man and father of four. Um, that you know, he's the needle in the haystack that they're looking for, starting in the jungles of Guatemala and and ending in the in the suburbs of Boston. You know, it's really it's really interesting. So so we do find Oscar. We do, yes. He's so. Now. It's really interesting, you know, I, I was saying to somebody just recently, and it might have been uh, in, in another interview that, that I haven't actually published yet, but there seems to be, for me, I'm, I'm coming up on 300 interviews, and it, it, it seems like there's a theme. And if I had to if I had to draw one out, there'd probably be three or four, I would imagine, in, in, in some of the conversations that I've had about, you know, so many different things. I mean, the theme, I guess, is social change, I suppose, for face-to-face. -face. But home actually seems to be something we keep coming back to. So, you know, this idea of, of, of a space, of a presence, of a family, of, of being connected, of being included. Uh, maybe it's not immediate family. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's just uh, it, it, it's, it's uh, a book that you're writing. Maybe it's a film that you're making. But it's this idea of feeling and being included. And I couldn't help but get that sense 
uh, at various points throughout your film that this is what it was really about. Yes, this is a this is a, a mystery to be solved. This is about justice. This is about human rights and so many other things. But ultimately, it's about being, you know, uh, can I say about about being a family? Can we talk about yeah. being a global family? Can we be that corny? Well, I mean, I I definitely, you know, I I think there are quite a few elements of that in in many striking different ways, really, because not only do we visit the home, you know, the present home of, of Oscar Ramirez, who, you know, for 15 years was it was the, uh, a home of the undocumented, of, mm. of the, you know, of someone who, from Central America, like so many others, who uh, is here in the United States fleeing the very uh, context of, of violence that, that is decades long in, in Guatemala and, and is all too unfamiliar um, or familiar, I should say, in, mm. in the surrounding region. Um, so, so we're giving a context to the, to the new home, right? right? Um, and at the same time in the film, we go and, and, and we visit, you know, similarly, the, 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 the home that Oscar Ramirez had with this soldier who abducted him, and 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 though it was a, a loving home, you know it, it's quite the contrast to his previous home before that, which was this village of Doceres, which no longer even exists. I mean, it's it's literally a, a portrait through the absence of anything. These landscapes of this place that I've I've visited on multiple occasions, we've tried to visually depicted the absence of the home of, and, and juxtaposed that with some of the archive imagery we have of, of the, you know, more than 200 people, farmers, families um, that, that lived in this place that, that's no longer there. Um, there's so many places I want to go uh, with, with our conversation, and, and, and I think it's, gonna, it's, it's all going to come together, it seems to me. <laughs> it usually, usually does, but it's, it's going to seem maybe disconnected at points. But I love how you, how you start, uh, even, even the credit sequence with, with the word. Can I use the word unredacted? Is that just, I just made yeah, that up. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I, I, we made that up. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know if that word existed before, because I remember trying to I- explain to my the sound designer, how to come up with a sound for un, unredacting. <laughs> uh, and I think I got a spell check, you know, red line. I bet you that, did. You know? Yeah. I want to know what it spelled it as, you know, what, what it was trying to spell it as. Yeah. I, I haven't yeah, figured exactly. that out yet. Redacting. But I, I think it's what it kept. Yeah, doing. probably, <laughs> probably. But, but I love the way, the way you did that. I, I, a, I, you know, I haven't seen that before, but it was really quite beautiful because, you know, as, as one of the, I think one of the, uh, might've been the, um, 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 the forensic anthropologist who said, you know, this is really about looking for the living and, and there's this, what, what, which is again, back to home, back to humanity, back to others, you know, uh, is truly this global village we live in. And, and I think that's one, another beautiful theme about your film but i love the way right out of the gate you start you go no this is this is about about being human yeah well i mean i you know here there's a lot of there are a lot of historical elements to this film yeah and 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 the interaction with those historical elements including these u.s cables that were sent from the u.s embassy soon after this massacre took place you know of which you know, we have this this living record that the the st- in, within the State Department of the United States, there was this conversation going on that was, 
explicitly uh, acknowledge, acknowledging that this massacre had taken place and that they thought that the Guatemalan military was indeed responsible for, for killing all of these people. And, and the, while nothing happened, there's no, no action that we can link to the, the government upon receiving these cables. It, it, it speaks to the importance of this documentation when it's revisited, when it becomes unclassified, and the idea of kind of pulling, pulling back right. you know, the, the lack of transparency was, was at least how we wanted to at least visually um, depict that on the screen. And so that's where, that's where we came up with, with this idea of uh, you know, pulling back the, the black Sharpie marker, uh, so to speak. And, and we, we, you know, we worked with a really amazing motion graphics designing company called The Glossary who, who took that that note, that idea of mine, and, and really uh, seamlessly worked it in throughout the film in a lot of other places that I would have never even have, had thought, including the opening title. Right, right. I think uh, it just says that we're going we're gonna to peel back here and we're going to kind of take a look at, at what was previously you know, non-transparent. Well, it's, it talks about, it's, it's, it's evidence, it's, it's about mystery, it's about um, the reveal. There's so many things, but what I truly love about it is it's, it's how you reveal most of the men and women who work in the film. So, so, that's, you, so you reveal all these people, right? So it's, it's no longer just a black magic marker. It's no longer just a line through a dark. No, this is, this is a real person we're talking about here. That's, this is what this film is really all about. Yeah, and these these real people. I mean, particularly how we tried to introduce both the the victims and and the perpetrators. I mean, here's mm. an event, an isolated event that took place 35 years ago in a very rural part of of northern Guatemala, and yet to go and film the firsthand interviews with with these people who were involved on both ends of this massacre. It, it took us all over North and Central America, in, including to, to Winnipeg, Canada, where one of the victims has been living um, in asylum for, for many years now, Ramiro. And so it just shows the, 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 the tentacles of the story mm. uh, in, in just seeing the, these people are amongst us throughout. It doesn't matter which country borders you know, you're, you're defined by. Um, and, and so we, we very much wanted to, to take where we could, take these interview subjects and, and take, get them out of the interview chair, so to speak, and, and film with them in public place, places where we could to, to hopefully visually communicate that idea that, you know, we're, we're shoulder to shoulder with, with people whose histories we have no idea about. And, and, and some of them are incredibly harrowing, um, both as victims mm. and, and perpetrators. What what do you what do you learn? You know, just the way you 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 tease that out about sort of the 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 perpetrator and the victim living amongst us. What what do you learn about the banality of evil, or what do you just learn about evil? Well, while, while for me, I, I like learned this? a lot when I sat down to to interview these two soldiers who who had come forward and and ended up testifying and breaking this this code of silence, which mm. was remarkable in and of itself. It really is, uh, yeah. It had not been done really in, in Guatemala. Um, Have you considered or, working for the FBI, Ryan? Or <laughs> well, I, I don't get to uh, to take credit for being the uh, <laughs> the ones that uh, 
coerced such an incredible testimony. I mean, we, 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 th this story, not only had there been these trials that had taken place prior to us making this film, but, but this story had already appeared in, in, in an amazing ProPublica piece in print, as well as uh, This American Life uh, did a radio piece here, and, and collectively they both uh, were honored with the, the Peabody, so that, you know, they're, the, it was proven that the story was uh, pretty compelling, both mm. in print and in radio, though I think it's at its heart a very visual story, and, and that gets back to your, your question about evil. I, in in the previous tellings of, of this story, I had an idea of what to expect in, in speaking to these two soldiers who had previously testified in these landmark cases in, in Guatemala, as well as participated in, in these previous iterations of the story. And, and I was preparing myself to, to sit down across from evil incarnate or, right. or something, some, some variation thereof. Sure. Yep. And, and the very minute a human being sat across from me, that, that idea was immediately challenged mm. um, and, hmm. and, and reminded me of the power of visual storytelling. Um, because once you put that, that person in front of the camera. Um, for me, it reminded me that we're all human beings, and there is no such thing as just good and evil uh, or black and white, um, and that there, there is most likely quite the potential within any of us under the, right. the right circumstances to do great good or to do great evil. And, and, and in that no way you know, removes the culpability of these soldiers for, for what they were involved with, but I think it gave me a, a greater empathy, hmm. certainly a greater desire to understand how they how they got involved with what they ended up doing. Um, because if we don't, I, I, I think that's that's when we're more than likely going to be, uh, you know, at a failure to truly understand why this continues to happen over and over. This is not an isolated incident of, right. of evilness appearing with, within the human species, but, but rather yet another example uh, of human beings doing an incredibly awful things. Well, it's pretty, pr pretty, pretty interesting that, uh, was it July, July 1994 when, when some of this starts to come to a head? Um, I, um, uh, yeah, well, it, around then is we, when the, the peace talks right. were, were finally, were finally kind of we, taking root. Which is, and then the exhumation uh, process was also happening uh, when this human rights activist was kind of leading the charge to, to go and try right. to find these missing bodies. Which is just post and, well, frankly, still kind of in the middle of the Rwandan genocide. So, right. right? And, and, and we're not too, from the time of this happening, we're not too far off the, the Cambodian genocide. And so, you know, what is it, about 100 million we've killed in the 20th century uh, as human beings, one another? Isn't it remarkable what we can do to other human beings? Do you think, do, Ryan, do we, you know, all the people you met, you interviewed, you're sitting across from the perpetrators, victims, and so on, uh, profound um, moments of, I would imagine, anger and hatred and, and probably reconciliation and forgiveness as well. Do, do we change? Like, are things, you know, you know, you talked about hope right out of the gate. I'm pretty hopeful. I'm a bit of a hopeful cynic. But boy, you watch a film like this and you go, wow, do we ever learn? Well, I think if, if I find hope in this story, I find it from from those 
human rights activists and those, you know, um, mm. anthropologists and right. and really those, those those people in civil society in Guatemala who demanded right. and refused to, to back down um, for decades with with no real certainly no precedent right. that that real justice or the the hmm. Impunity that had just had, continues to reign in, in yep. many ways in Guatemala, but but certainly did so in in an unprecedented way. Was going to that they were going to overcome that. Um, I mean, at, at its heart, the the hope that they were hanging on to was just literally finding the bodies, the skeletons, right. the remains of their loved ones, and 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 to try to bring closure. For the for those families and communities that were affected, well, you're, you're talk about a base level of hope. What you're looking for, sure, um, yeah, and something so many, I think, particularly in Western society, just doesn't have have an, have any point of reference to to what it's like to have hope in those kind of circumstances. I love the woman that you spoke to. Was her name Aura? And, yeah, or and Elena Farfan. Yeah, and she talked about the the mother who was ninety nine and and how she was still waiting. Mm -hmm. She for was her, yeah. So her brother is disappeared. I mean, it, talk about just a, if there is such a thing as evil. I mean, it, it it's an evil tactic to say the least to to disappear um, people and the Guatemalan government. In addition to these massacres that took out primarily took place primarily in the in the rural areas of, of mm. the country. Uh, the, the government also disappeared roughly 40,000 uh, people, and, and, that, and those took place m more often in, in the cities. Um, and, and those could be union leaders, they could be mm. professors, journalists, anyone that the government thought was a potentially a, a threat to their power. Uh, I just met at a, at a screening at Berkeley last week, um, uh, a gentleman who was a student leader during this time, and, and five of his peers were disappeared and have mm. never been found. Wow! Um, and, wow! And it's it's you, you know for these families involved, not only are they are they mourning most likely the death of their loved one, but they're they're never afforded the closure uh, of knowing what actually happened, of, of being able to give that loved one a, a proper burial, and and also the cruelty of this hope pendulum that that maybe they are right. indeed still alive and they're they're still out there and every day that they don't come back you 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 pull back that scab and and you have to grieve that loss again um and and so it was it was a tactic that was employed in, in a way to really try to devastate those that would be would be a threat to to the government's power do you do you define Truth or justice or evidence any differently? That's these. Are, those are three very big questions, but differently. Post, you know, you're still in kind of the experience of the film, I would imagine, and you know the Q and As and the people that you're meeting and so on, and articles and interviews and all of that. But, but you know, I guess what, what's changed about how you see the world? I guess is the bigger question. Well, that's it. I mean, <laughs> it's a doozy. I know, and and I you don't even have. I mean, I I I'm going to start with the the 
opposite truth and justice. Act. Well, yeah, because at one point, I think in the film, I think it again, it's back to the anthropologist, or and, and I would expect somebody to, say, you know, somebody like this to say this, but he's, I think he said something about the evidence is going to lead us to truth and justice, and I just that really caught my ear, but you know, from a, yeah. a philosophical background, I'm not totally sure that's true, but I know what he meant. Well, I think. Um... I think if the film could have been called anything other than Finding Oscar, it could have been called Finding Truth. Right. And and for me, one thing I've really learned in in the in the making of this film is this idea of justice. I think mm. I I like many I imagine think of justice as is almost purely a transactional courtroom mm. process mm. of mm. bringing bringing those who are charged with whatever crimes uh, to court and, and hopefully prevailing and, and them going and, and serving some prison term or, or something of, uh, of consequence. Sure. And, and the idea that justice actually has many different faces or, or has many different elements is something that I, I very much um, learned uh, on a, a whole other level in telling the story, because for for more than a couple decades, these activists and, and anthropologists and the like have been engaged in in this incredible effort to find the missing and 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 to uh, you know try and make these families and, and communities whole, and, and yet they did so also in a an incredibly uh, detailed way that so hopefully. Someday, maybe that that could be used as evidence in a court courtroom. But what what they were, I think, searching for and striving for was was this idea of an acknowledgement of the truth. I think, it, which is all the more kind of relevant right. and, and timely in, in in the world of today. This idea of facts and this idea of of what is true. But when you're when you're operating within a decades long um, Civil war of sorts, and and you have propagandist efforts that are really trying to cloud for the, the people what's actually happening um, and who's guilty of what. These communities that are affected by this, who have lost loved ones, who know this pain and this trauma, just for them to see a public acknowledgement of what actually happened to them, what actually mm -hmm. happened to their loved ones, for that to be acknowledged. Hmm. In the context of a society where the government didn't acknowledge the Truth Commission that was that was forged out of the peace accords in, in 1996, there was Truth Commission that happened, and the the government of Guatemala, who were still the same, um, you know, officials in power previous to the peace accords, many of them with ties to the military, they never acknowledged that Truth Commission, and so just the idea that justice can be truth or justice can be an acknowledgement of the truth that 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 for me i it was a, it was a powerful idea that i think many in guatemala and, and hopefully the, the, this film itself is a version thereof to to go and bring their story not only to to countries far and wide but also within their own country right so you know there are many people in Guatemala, who have no idea that this took place in their own lifetime in their country, and and students today in schools, this is a chapter that's not taught 
there there is no there is no acknowledgement that any of this has taken place, and so you have a society that's still grappling with the idea of of acknowledging its own truth, and and I think therein lies a, a version of the justice that that, mm. that that many there are are yearning for. Well, I think before we had the recorder even uh, rolling, I think or started, I think your your comment was these stories, you know, these types of stories. They, they deserve an audience, and I think what I what I take from what you just said is there, there's all kinds of different audiences here. We're talking about, we're talking about you know internal, external. We're talking about academic. We're talking about right. I mean this this is a story that uh, needs to be told for a variety of reasons. Yeah, I mean I listen. This is a story, and I that I didn't know anything about before I, I it, it walked into my office one day. Right. Uh, I I. Um, I've never been to Central America before making this film, and even though I knew it was a, a pretty conflict-ridden region uh, in the 70s and 80s, and that maybe uh, the U.S. government, you know, had some culpability in that, I, I, I certainly didn't know the details, and so I've, I've received an incredible education uh, personally in the, in the last few years, and we've certainly tried to tell this film and the story in a way. To, to a somewhat similar audience of, hmm. of unknowing and unassuming North Americans uh, so that hopefully the, it, it gets outside of, of the echo chamber uh, of those in the choir who are all too familiar of, of what's taking place. I mean, there's, there's plenty of people in, in North America who know all too well this story, many of which are from Central America. Um, but I think there, there's a large population, and myself included, uh, that, that didn't know that, that this happened, didn't know our, our government uh, had a real role in it. And I think it, it provides an incredible context for why so many Guatemalans, particularly here in Los Angeles, where we have more Guatemalans uh, in this city than any city in the world outside of Guatemala hmm. City. Um, and and there are so many Hondurans and El Salvadorians and 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 Central Americans throughout, not just Southern California but North America as a whole. And it's it's this this context. And if we can understand this context, I think that that puts a, a human face um, on on this issue, not only of immigration but also the consequences of, of foreign policy. Mm. Uh, and certainly, those, those kind of issues um, are are important and and timeless in and of their own right. Um, but at, at this particular time, I think are are even more uh, important to be discussing. Um, I definitely want to go down that foreign policy route uh, in a, in a second here, but I'd love to ask you a question about memory and and just remembering. Uh, the, the you know what happened and, and and how it happened you know up upwards close to two hundred thousand civilians dead I believe uh, over, over this period this civil war um, my, my experience of, of of Cambodia and the Khmer Rouge and and uh, over the years of having worked in the country I've met a lot of people I think who would say boy I just David I just wish this would go away like we just we don't you know we we really don't need the trials you know it's just oh it's bringing it all back to the surface and you know we're really never going to get reconciliation anyway do do you buy any of that I mean I think I can understand it to the level that I can understand the desire to kind of to move forward um regardless of of which 
political persuasion you may or may not have sure. within the region that's kind of dealing with this. Um, certainly those who have some culpability would probably prefer to turn the yeah. chapter sooner of than course. those who have experienced the, uh, the consequences of that. Um, but I, I don't claim to fully understand the best way to reconcile these things. Like, uh, at, at the end of the day, reconciliation is, is, is absolutely necessary if, we're, if, if there's going to be meaningful progress moving forward as a collective. And so threading the needle on, on, on that balance, I think, is, is, is something that's, you know, is incredibly tricky and I think is a reason why a lot of societies have, have failed to successfully, uh, you know, charter a path forward after something mm. like this happened within their country. Um, but, you know, I would say within Guatemala, it's a far cry from... Uh, feeling like they can actually move forward when when so much of this has never even been acknowledged in the first right, place. Right, Because that just feels like a, re, a revisionist history then, which, you know, for those that were, uh, that have been affected, of which in this case we're talking about not just a couple hundred thousand people directly murdered by their own government, but how many hundreds of thousands more uh, family members and loved members, uh, loved ones who forever have had their their lives marked by this. To ask them to just change the chapter, to move forward, and never even acknowledge what happened here, I think uh, I think that's a tall order to then ask them to what? come to the table. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know how you can trust anyone. Never mind political leaders. I don't know how you can really, truly trust family members who aren't willing to to put it on the table. If if you know what I mean, you know. If yeah. oh, oh hey, let's just sweep our past under the carpet and ignore it and, and move on. Well, hang on a minute. I'm not sure I'm getting into that boat. <laughs> That's I don't. I yeah, don't... it feels all a little too convenient, and and certainly seems to be. Uh, again, I don't I don't claim to be a, a, an expert in in this within Guatemala or, or outside of it, but it, it it seems to be an idea that is often proposed by those who would be in their best interest to just, just move forward and not have to just just to really let it go. kind of live in the pain of of acknowledging what this is and and what sort of consequences that acknowledgement might entail. So I think the line was, uh, I mean, it was a long, uh, I'm just, I'm looking for it here in my notes, but there was a um, complicity by omission was the line. Where's the, oh, right. A tacit participant, you know, back to your comment about about uh, foreign policy and, and where we're heading today and, and getting involved in other countries on one level, it seems like, you know, and here's the Canadian on this side over here, you know, uh, speaking about, you know, um, issues that I don't know a great deal about either, but, uh, what, what is it, what does it tell us today? You know, so here's this, this government at the time that was coming alongside the military, in Guatemala at the time. And, and, and essentially, I mean, you've, the, some of the shots you have of Reagan are frankly, you know, uh, what's the, uh, openly admiring him, you know, the leader at the time, pretty disturbing stuff. Yeah. And all courtesy of the Ronald Reagan presidential library, <laughs> which, is, which is pretty funny. Public and is a beautiful resource for document documentarians when, uh, when telling a story like this to be able to, 
Well, we we sent our researcher Alexandra Bowen, uh, and she spent quite a quite a bit of time there and unearthing this incredible imagery, not just stills and contact sheets, but also video of mm. where you're you're seeing, you know, the leader of the free world stand with a really a dictator who took yep. over in a military coup not even a year prior, of which many, you know, within the human rights communities were trying to sound the alarm on this scorched earth campaign and, and these, you know, these massacres that were taking place well in advance of the Dos Aires massacre. And, and there's Ronald Reagan standing with this guy, calling him a defender of democracy mm. and that he has our support uh, two days before this incredibly, you know, uh, elite special forces group known as the Kaibiles enter into this community of really farmers, peaceful farmers, and and rape and pillage and, and murder everyone there, with the exception of these two young boys who are abducted. Uh, and the, and the, you know, the message communicated when President Reagan stands there with with a, a dictator and says he has our support and and is a defender of democracy, I, I think is a message that certainly is not lost on that dictator, right. um, if not if not others like him. Um, and so, you know, for for a region that was has already had its own impunity for so long, to, to have that impunity then extend internationally beyond its own borders in that way, I think can have, have the gravest of consequences. Well, it just, you know, it's so easy to, to throw stones, to point the finger and to say, well, it's it's your fault. And, and you know, isn't this really about, in some regards, isn't living a, a full life, and I say a small F, about shirking our responsibility to others, right? Uh, who, who gives a rat's ass about my neighbor, <laughs> right? Um, but aren't we all, in some way, tacit participants? And I guess I guess that's what I kind of pulled from that, you know, and, and, and how does that actually play out in our own communities and our, our, our own freedom and sense of responsibility to, to, to absolutely to our families, but to our neighbors and, and to others around the world as, you know, kind of, kind of connected in a way to your comment about, you know, these, these, these stories deserve audiences. Listen, I mean, I think it's a slippery slope. The, the more you learn about these things, that the more you become aware of, of your own, your own culpability mm. as, a, as a citizen of the of, of these governmental entities. We empower these governments, and so if we're if we're the citizens who are who are supposedly holding them accountable or not holding them accountable, right. and and our taxpaying dollars are going to the bombs that are being dropped on people in far off places, then we we do indeed own some of that responsibility, and I think it's. You know, I, I, I don't think it's a mistake that, or an accident that people tend to avoid learning these sorts of truths that put themselves in an uncomfortable position to have to then figure out how to navigate the world moving forward if you have to take some ownership for really awful things happening to other people, uh, you know, for what is justified as something that's making your life supposedly better or safer or more comfortable. Um, and, and that's certainly not um, singled out just in foreign policy of, of, of warfare, but that's an idea that you know goes into our consumerism, goes into 
the types of food that we eat and, you know, the, the clothes that we wear and, and the, the ramifications of, uh, of just being a consumer, um, much less a citizen. Mm. And, and I think it's also the reason why a lot of folks tend to try and stay clear of learning these things that right. you can't forget after you learn them. And, and you know, they're, it's an important story, but I almost, I almost shirk at the idea of calling it an important story because I fear it puts it in a category of stories that people go out of their way to avoid because <laughs> oh, of fear that... <laughs> What those important stories mean, right. and, I, and I think there's no there's no greater sin in the documentary world than I mean, maybe there's greater sins, but I definitely think it's you know we we often hear of important stories, and I think it's it, it's it's really on the filmmaker when they expect an audience to watch something because it's important. Well, yeah, because now now I'm going to be leaving. I'm leaving the theater yeah, with. How you need to. You have to you have to tell these stories in a compelling way if right. you want to compete with the never-ending supply of things competing for our time and sure. energies and resources. And so, as a storyteller, to have an incredible story like Oscar Ramirez's story, this very intimate and personal story that allows us to touch upon much much larger contextual issues like foreign policy and immigration and genocide. Uh, that's really, for me, the attraction to this particular story, because um, I feel like it's a it's a point of access. It's a, it's a way in to to tell a great story, but also, uh, you know, impart an education on on an unsuspecting audience. Well, it's you know what, and I don't know if, uh, for for what it's worth, and we've never met, sadly, but it, it it is an important film, but it's also a beautiful film, Ryan. I mean, it 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 is a story not only worth telling, but it's a story story worth hearing about. And yes, there is going to be a certain your 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 responsibility meter in your own world is going to be uh, cal- recalibrated. <laughs> you're, I, I won't deny that, but 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 I think you're also. Uh, I think you're you're going to come out of this theater. You're gonna you're gonna watch this film, and you 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 are going to be potentially a better person. <laughs> and I and and I mean, well, that. I certainly we certainly hope we start a conversation. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, the best the, the best films, best documentaries for me are the ones that kind of they dig in under your skin a little a little bit, you know, and and you say things like I I never knew that happened or I didn't know about that and and lead you into either an explicit conversation with perhaps the people who you've seen the film with or those you come home to or or you you do the google dive exactly right <laughs> and and the reality is these kinds of things it seems to me these kinds of things are cumulative i mean this is this is the this could be the seed that's planted with many different people that's watered over over time that's watered over years these are the kinds of stories you hear about where oh you know i was this age and i saw this film and it changed you know the direction i took i mean i i'm largely in development today in a way you could say by you know reading stephen lewis's book race against time and romeo dallaire's book shake hands with the devil and i was i was at a time in my my career philosophically and i just kind of started to go down this ethical route and wrote and 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 it largely had to do with these two stories you know and so i think that's 
profoundly beautiful about everything we do about the splash and ripple effect, but I think it's brilliant with respect to, you know, documentary film and fil films like yours. Um, why, um, why do you come out of this? And we're going to have to wrap this up in a second here or two, but why, why do you come out of this with a sound of hope still in your voice? Because I think I can hear it. <laughs> well, yeah, that gets back to your larger question of uh, what's my worldview. That's right. Uh, come on, Ryan. I mean, really, what is your worldview? You get... <laughs> I mean, I was probably a, a romantic optimist before okay. I really dug into this thing. Mm -hmm. um, and now I'd say I'm more of a optimist uh, optimistic realist right um and i think that that uh you know if any if i'm anything i'm pragmatic and and so i i feel like i can't not unlearn the fact that mm. the horrors mm. that i had to really dig into pretty pretty deep in in really trying to understand this story and the devastating reality that these are not an anomaly within Guatemala, mm. much less an anomaly in Central or Latin America or the world at large. It it does it gives me a considerable pause in just contemplating um, what our species is, yeah. uh, and 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 our ever all too soon reoccurring um, you know actions against each other in, in this way. And yet, uh, I'm a father of a couple young daughters, and, and not only did that did that probably open my empathy well to a whole different level in telling a story of which incredibly horrific things happen, not only to these two young boys who were abducted, but, but the many, mm -hmm. many, many other children under the age of 12 who were executed at Dos Berries. Um, uh, I... I, I I see in my own children the, the very, I think, inherent beauty uh, of our species and, and of life. Nice. The potential and, and the hope, you know, that is, that is very much manifested in them in so many ways for me personally, and I think just in a, in a global idea. Um, and so I'm, I'm committed to trying to myself make the, the world a slightly better place than I found it and, and, and tell stories like this that, that hopefully, you know, not only dig in under the skin a little bit, but, um, you know, if they, if they leave you changed in any way for the better, then that's, that's certainly been worth the time and energy. There's a beautiful line, and I'm pretty sure it was Oscar, who said, quote, I wasn't expecting to be the person they were looking for. <laughs> I just... I, I laughed out loud when I heard that, and I just thought, isn't that kind of not only an affirmation of that hope and that potential and that that uh, opportunity, you know, freedom, choice, responsibility, but also the idea that, hey, we, we can maybe change. There There is this, you know, splash and ripple effect actually uh, makes contact with reality each and every day. It's true. And, you know, we find heroes in the least likely places mm. and certainly those who are not expecting to be heroes, you know, um, and certainly Oscar learning this, you know, what could be defined as an existential sort mm. of uh, truth or crisis of, of finding out your whole life that is, is a lie uh, of sorts is, is, is probably the least likely candidate to also to, to be the hero. Um, and I think, uh, I think it's a reminder that, 
you know, we're, we're never expecting that phone call. We're never expecting that moment necessarily. Um, but but when it comes, if and when it comes, how we respond to it, mm, it it's more go. how we respond to it than than what it is that is going to define, you know, whether whether we're heroic in it or not. Well, Ryan, thanks for your time today. We're we're talking about a film, a new film called Finding Oscar. Ryan Safern here with us today. Uh, uh, FindingOscar.com, is that right, Ryan? That's correct. Yeah, you can kind of find out all about the theatrical release, of which we're in the midst of right now. It, it's uh, it's not playing in Canada just yet, but but hopefully it could we'll, be soon. Finding Oscar, it's a film that uh, The Hollywood Reporter has called an absorbing documentary about an unlikely survival story. And that's uh, that's just not even the half of it. <laughs> Ryan, thanks for your time today. I really appreciate it. It's been a real pleasure. And, and, and again, congratulations on a, on, a, on a beautiful film and a hopeful film and, and a really engaging story. I, I love the way you told them. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.